Hello, and welcome to episode number 36 of Play Me Tape, a show where we delve song by song into the music that means something. I'm joined as always by my good friend, Darren. All right, everybody, put your hands together for Tatiana. (laughs) And my name is Jake. That is familiar. I can't quite place what kind of a voice you're trying to get across. What could it be? Where have I heard that before? I missed my calling in life. If I had ended up a a single loner, I would have been a strip club DJ. A glum single loner? A glum single loner. (laughs) Yes. The strip club DJ. Right. That's why it was so vaguely familiar yet so far away because I never went to those places. No, me either. I just saw, I've seen it in movies. That's, that's the only time. <laughs> right. So how you doing, buddy? I'm good. I got another haircut. You didn't do it yourself, did you? My daughter did it all. Oh, really? And then she dyed it. Dyed it? Yeah, it's purple now. Shut up. My hair, well, it's more, it looks more blue than purple. It didn't really come out super purple in the wash, but. Two minutes for looking so good. (laughs) Yeah, this is the excitement of post-lockdown, but, you know, still stir-crazy. Four family members in a house. What do you do with your Sunday afternoon? Well, apparently you you cut dad's hair, and then you make him choose between purple or green to dye it, and then you do that. Wow. I feel good about choosing purple. I think purple was the way to go over green. Nice. Some people said green, but no. No way. Those people were... Flat out wrong. Barney over the Hulk? Exactly. Good choice. I'm about caring and sharing. Right. Here for you, caring for you. <laughs> so I got a bit of a list today. Great. I hope you're okay with that. No, lists are the worst. Right. I can shelve it then. We should stop them immediately. <laughs> I'm going to get rid of it. <laughs> That's it. Please, it's over. Please proceed with your list. We love lists. You've ruined We love it. lists. We love them. I'm going to do a list here of the top 10 strip club classic rock songs of all time. Oh, that's how it ties in. Beauty. Right? Right. And it sort of ties in with the band. What was the stripper name that you used? Tatiana. (laughs) One of my favorites. Fair. I also like Tamara. (laughs) I don't want to offend anybody. If, If that's your name, I'm sorry. It's just, mm. it's, like I said, it's stuff I've seen on TV and the movies and things like that. Yes, and nowhere else. I've never heard any of these songs <laughs> done to a blanket <laughs> dance or anything like that. That was deeply, deeply specific. Blanket dance. So I've got 10 classic rock songs here. Uh, number 10 is Poison by Alice Cooper. Oh. Do you know that song? Yeah. I honestly didn't think this was a stripper song. <sighs> yeah. I don't know why. Tempo? I, <laughs> I don't know. That's I don't funny. know either. I would uh, not have seen that coming. No, me either. The list that I have here actually lists what the accessories would be to go along with the song. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. Where did you find this list? I don't know. <laughs> Name and shame. Where did you find it? I'm not telling. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not telling. I, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Continue. So proper dancer accessories for this song are fishnets, skull and crossbone, earrings, and grease smudges. I don't know where those grease smudges go. (laughs) 
I don't know. Yes. I'll leave that to the imagination. Yes. Number nine, Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses. Of course. Yeah. This is a, a staple, I'm sure, in these establishments. I wouldn't know. Proper dancer accessories, tight leather skirt, ripped t-shirt, bandana. Hmm. Right? Hmm. The whole Axl Rose thing. Yeah. And all the times that I may have imagined going to a, such an establishment, never having gone there myself. Yeah, that seems to fall in line, I guess. Sure. Number eight, Sweet Emotion by Aerosmith. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. Proper dancer accessories, frayed jean shorts, scarf, and track marks. What the hell? Oh, Jesus. (laughs) That's over the line. Yeah, I think that's over the line a little bit. (laughs) Number seven. Yeah, it's terrible. Sheesh. (laughs) Oh, my God. Number seven, You Shook Me All Night Long by ACDC. Of course. Of course. Just for the subject matter alone. (laughs) I mean, I'll be honest. The... Welcome to the Jungle seems like an unfortunate choice based strictly on what that song is about. Yeah. I mean, that's that's meta. It's dark. Yeah, but who knows that, really? Right. It's just a rockin' song. Yeah. Apparently, the proper accessories for the Shook Me All Night Long is a schoolgirl uniform. Bottoms optional. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. This is terrible. Stupid internet. <laughs> Number six, Pour Some Sugar on Me by Def (laughs) Leppard. Perfect. Proper dancer accessories, short skirt, pigtails, oversized lollipop. Oh, Jesus. Unbelievable. (laughs) Number five, this is a great song. I love this song. Cherry Pie by Warren. Oh, yeah. Okay. Wow. Do you know that song? Do I know that song? How do do you know that song? The radio, the video. Really? Of course. Oh, the video. You like yeah. the video, do you? I barely remember. I, sure I just... you do. <laughs> I barely remember it. I don't know. I don't even know what goes on in the video to that song. Busted. <laughs> I, I'm thinking, I might be thinking of the video for uh, Unskinny Bop. I'm not sure. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Proper dancer accessories. Skin tight red skirt. Three pounds of red lipstick. Yikes. I don't know what the three pounds signifies, but I guess that's a lot. Yes. Number four, Crazy Train by Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, nice. I don't think this is a stripper song. Huh. This doesn't work for me. Not that I right. know. Not that you'd know. What's good, but proper accessories for this is a bat costume. Huh. Oh, oh, I get it. I It's Ozzy, and he bit a bat. Right. Oh, funny. Right, funny. Funny list writer guy. Yeah. Funny. Number three, Here I Go Again by Whitesnake. Of course. I think I let you know how I felt about this song. Of course. Proper accessories. Is red hair in there? Big, gigantic hair, loose blouse, and a car hood. Right. I don't know who brings a car hood into a strip joint, but right. okay. Well, they were going to go directly to Tawny Katain. We all saw that yeah. coming. The writing was on the wall. Sure. Number two, Hot for Teacher Van Halen. Fantastic song. All right. Yeah. And of course, the teacher outfit would be the proper accessory for that. Sure. Number one is Girls, Girls, Girls by Motley Crue. Okay. And the proper accessories, the classic 80s lace lingerie mm. and cocaine. 
Makes sense, right? <laughs> At least it's better than track marks. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Is it better? Well, I'm not sure that it is. It's less invasive. So yeah, that's the list. What do you think? Wow, that is so offensive. <laughs> do you have a a song that I like to strip to? Yes. Yeah, you. <laughs> yeah. I, if there is one, I don't need to know it. I do not. Do you have a favorite song? If you were in a strip club, if you found yourself in one that you'd say, you know, I'd really like to hear a specific song <laughs> while I watched Miss Nude Newfoundland. Oh, that's a deep cut. Ooh, I do not. Hmm. Interesting. Na- naughty girls need love too. Ooh. That would fit in line with that, wouldn't it? Sure. <laughs> There's a two live crew song that probably fits, but <laughs> we're going to leave that one out. Yes. I would say these are all faster songs. So these would be the, the third or second song played. These right. are These are not blanket dance songs. No. I think that Def Leppard's Love Bites is probably the number one third song. <laughs> I could be wrong. I, I don't know. What do I know? All right. I went once or twice when I was like 19. Is the blanket dance the third dance? You need to, to expand on the lingo. What? <laughs> You're I don't know. Second song, third song. I don't... Sure. Don't they normally dance to three songs? Yeah. So is do, they don't start with the blanket dance. I they don't think so. Do, do they? I don't know. How would I know? Right. We're worldly men of the world. Playmetapepodcast at gmail.com if you know (laughs) what the order is, where the blanket dance fits into that. And if you have any additional songs you'd like to add to the list. And accessories. Maybe you're a fan of the $5 ballet. No judgment. It's all good. Nope. Let us know. Let us know. One of the bands on that list, I think, is probably pretty popular in the strip club world, and that is Def Leppard, and that's where the song comes from for this week's episode. But it's not a song I think would be used very often in a strip club. Right. It's the song Rocket. Ah, maybe. I can't imagine, actually. No, I don't think so. But you never know. I think Pour Some Sugar On Me probably takes the the top spot there in terms of Def Leppard songs. I would assume so, yeah. So that's the song I wanted to talk about. But before I say anything, why don't we give it a listen? Sounds good. Makes sense? Yeah, perfect. Okay. So, hey, Jake. Yes, Jared? Play me tape!
Def Leppard, Rocket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what exactly to say about the song. Other than I like it, I always have, and you know full well, that's kind of a big deal coming from me because I never cared for Def Leppard. Did not like them at all. This song was the outlier for me growing up. I was not a fan of the band when they were blowing up and half the kids in our class were wearing around Def Leppard t-shirts. I was not among them. It just wasn't my bag. And I don't really know why. I know you mentioned pour some sugar on me and I was not at all a fan of that song. I hated it with the white hot intensity of a thousand suns. That's a lot of hate. That's a lot of strong dislike. I'm going to say strong dislike rather than hate. Hate is a loaded word. (laughs) I did not care for it. Full stop. But the point is, Rocket always stood out to me as a song that I quite enjoyed. Later on, when I started to look at albums that I had overlooked and bands that I overlooked, I kept coming back to you and I kept saying like, okay, I listen to this. What should I listen to next? And you'd always say, you need to listen to Hysteria or Pyromania. You were always pushing Def Leppard. I kept pushing off on that i kept saying that i don't think i'm ready for that yet and when i eventually did i I have liked what i've heard i why i hate i do not know to this day why i had any problem with them whatsoever i really don't pour some sugar on me when i went back listened through that album listened to that song i expected as that track came up in the rotation i i expected just grit my teeth and bear my way through it and I'll listen to it once. And then every subsequent time I'll, I'll push the skip button and that'll be the end of that. I didn't hate it. And I don't know what's changed. Am I mellower with age? I don't know. But for whatever reason, it's never going to be my favorite song, but I don't dislike it. And furthermore, I can't pinpoint or explain what drove me so nuts about that song. I really have no idea. None whatsoever. Have you listened to Hysteria front to back? Yeah, yeah. And? I didn't do it in preparation for the show. I probably should have. So it's been a while. Yeah, it's been two or three years since I've listened to it. Okay. Yeah, so it hasn't been super recent. So it was the sort of thing where I I listened. It was a pleasant surprise, and it gave me new respect for them as a band. Just in general, they didn't blow my mind, but it was tight, fun, well-produced and performed rock songs and that's okay that i mean it it did exactly what it set out to do and i enjoyed the listen going forward what i found was yep opinion changed however not something i necessarily reach for not something i crave hearing turned a corner for sure but just not going to be in my wheelhouse in the same way that something else that's you know ELO's Eldorado, which hey, I came to very, very late and is one of those ones where I, every so often I reach for it and I grab it and I, I put it in. It's just not one of those. There's a lot to talk about with this song. I know that there's a ton of stuff that we really should get to. And one of the things that I really want to talk about, and I'm really interested in hearing from you, is the influences. It's a song, Rocket Now, it's a song where there are so many influences being expressed in the lyrics of that song. And the ones that were the biggest and most obvious were Bowie and Lou Reed. I remember hearing, more accurately seeing refer- those references in the video. If you remember in the video, it was a performative video, it was a stage performance, but then there was an AV presentation that kind of went along with it. And so they 
throw words up onto a screen so that you knew when it was saying satellite of love that those words were appearing on screen. So there was no mistaking what they were referring to. And I think Ziggy Stardust appears on the screen. So, you know, they're being very specific about the influences they're calling out. And it was always really interesting to me because of the contrast of this is what we're really into. And yet here they are maybe 10 years on from Lou Reed's Transformer or almost 20 years on from Space Oddity or whatever. They don't sound anything like their influences, which really was weird to me to teenage me. If you're saying, oh, I'm really heavily influenced by Lou Reed, then my primary reaction was, well, well, then why don't you sound anything like it? Why don't you delve into that sound? But it's a really dumb criticism. I don't know why I had that as a criticism for a song that I liked anyway. I think it's legitimate. Mm, Maybe. I think if they're singing about specific artists, you would think that they would sort of draw influence from them and maybe sound like them a little bit. Yeah. But they don't. Yeah, for sure. Not at all. But there's a lot of stuff in there. There's a lot of stuff that they call out. There is. I've got a list. I've actually got the list in front of me. Of Amazing. All the influences and the, the name dropping. And it's pretty cool. And it they've talked about their influences being mostly, you know, the glam metal bands of the 70s. Which, again, you don't hear in no. what they're performing. Not at all. They sort of pioneered the new pop rock sound with Pyromania. Yep. That was in large part due to Mutt Lang being the, the producer. He was the, also the guy that did ACDC's Back in Black. When you go through this list, the first one that comes up is Jack Flash. And they're talking about Jumping Jack Flash by the Rolling Stones. Stones, yeah. Stones aren't a glam band. No. So that's interesting. And then Rocket Man by Elton John. Elton John, yeah. See, I don't know what Elton John is. Is he glam? I, I don't think so. No. I know he's flamboyant and out there and wears a lot of shiny stuff. But, but he does. he's not usually shoehorned into the glam movement. Sergeant Pepper. I mean, the Beatles, not glam, but clearly... So many bands are influenced by the Beatles. Absolutely. Especially bands from out of the UK. Yeah. So that makes sense. Talking about Ziggy, that's a big one, obviously. David Bowie. They've talked about Bowie being a pretty huge influence on them. I mean, Ziggy Stardust is pretty glam. Yeah. Benny and the Jets, another Elton John. Mm-hmm. You know, not glam. The best one is the one that's in the chorus, which is Satellite of Love, which is actually a reference to the Lou Reed song. I just listened to yesterday. For the first time. Yeah. That blew my mind. What an amazing song. I could not believe that you had never heard that song. It's incredible. But couldn't be more different from the Def Leppard song. No. There's no connection there. No. Other than the fact that they're singing that. The initial thought with this song when they first started doing it was that it was going to be an instrumental. Really? Yeah. And they added the the lyric satellite of love. And that was really the only thing that they were saying in the song. And that's when they decided to write lyrics for it and Hmm. use that as the theme. It's kind of interesting that that was sort of the beginnings of the lyrics to the song. Mm -hmm. Laser Love, which is a song by T-Rex. T-Rex is glam. Very much so. The next one, Jet Black, who is the name of the drummer from The Stranglers. Right. Stranglers, not glam. Apparently, this was just poetic license. They just needed something to fit. 
but clearly somebody knew something about the Stranglers and, and was influenced by them. So they used that name. Mm-hmm. Johnny B, which is a reference to Johnny B. Good by Chuck Berry. Yeah. Decidedly not glam. But foundational. Yeah, absolutely. Super important. And when the early rock and R&B came over, came across the Atlantic to the UK, that was a foot in the door. Yeah, for sure. Gene Genie, mm-hmm. the, the David Bowie song. Killer Queen. Def Leppard is mentioned many times. They're huge Queen fans. And in fact, Brian May was the one that uh, introduced them, inducted them into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, is that right? I did not know that. And then Dizzy Lizzie is actually a reference to the song Dizzy Miss Lizzie, made famous by the Beatles. Right. And also a nod to Thin Lizzie. Yeah. And then the last one is Major Tom, which is the reference to David Bowie's Space Oddity. Right. It's a neat list. Yeah. You know, they talk about it being mostly influenced by glam, but there's a lot of other stuff in there. Yeah, it's dense. It's a lot of different references. I find it really, really fun when bands do this, sing about other bands. Yeah. I love that. And it's one of the big reasons why I like this song so much. We joked off air. We joked about how this song is them proudly or excitedly telling their listening fans what their influences were, what they listened to growing up, what the music that really blew their minds. And we kind of choked about that's largely what the show is about. It's largely the theme for what we're doing here. We could have called this show Rocket rather than Play Me Tape because it really lines up with the philosophy of this show. Yeah, it totally does. I love hearing about bands and artists talking about their influences, who they listen to, who they like. I read about Joe Elliott, the lead singer of Def Leppard, and he met David Bowie and it was was very much a, a Jake Lawrence Gowan type situation. <laughs> Damn you. Why must you bring up the Gowan incident? But isn't that funny that yeah. here's a, the lead singer of a huge, huge rock band and he, he meets his idol and he's starstruck. Yeah, I, it's not surprising in the slightest, if, if you want my honest opinion. I agree. These are people that are in music, I'm sure, for the money and the girls. But at, at the same time, <laughs> they're in music because it means something significant to them personally. Yeah, for sure. You'd expect them to be as much or more likely to be starstruck than anyone else. I wanted to mention the, the name of the band, Def Leppard. Right. It is an odd name, right? It sure is. And I've wondered for years. Joe Elliott, the lead singer, he actually came up with the name. He was doing a school project on fake band names, something that we've been talking about for the last, I don't know, 30 years. We should have been writing ours down. (laughs) He came up with Def Leppard, but it was the proper spelling. Right. And one of the guys said, why don't we change it as sort of a nod to Led Zeppelin? Amazing. And call ourselves Def, D-E-F and then misspell leopard. Wow. And that's it. It's still an odd name to me. Just a teenager scribbling down fun band names. Yeah. That he was, yeah. Kind of cool. Kind of cool. Mutt Lang is producer. You said Mutt Lang. And you also mentioned Back in Black. He worked outside of those two bands. Though. I, like he, he has a quite a big resume. Does he not? Huge. I mean, he's yeah. worked. So <laughs> ACDC was actually his first big album. He had done an album previous to that with ACDC, but Back in Black is obviously the biggest one. Back in Black, I think, is the second largest selling album of all time. It's a, it is a monster album. It is a monster. It has sold about a jillion copies. But he's also worked with 
Boomtown Rats, Foreigner, Michael Bolton, The Cars, Brian Adams, Huey Lewis in the News, Billy wow. Ocean, Celine Dion, Britney Spears, Maroon 5, Lady Gaga, Nickelback. I mean, the guy's resume is incredible. Most notably, he worked with Shania Twain, who right. he ended right. up, who he ended up That's marrying. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, okay. Right. That's it. That's what I'm thinking of. And then divorcing. Oh. Have you ever heard the story around the divorce? I don't think I have. So they got divorced in the late 2000s. I want to say around 2010. May have been a little bit sooner, may have been a little bit later. I'm not quite sure. But Mutt Lang actually had an affair with Shania Twain's best friend. Oh. Yeah. Bit of a stinger. Oh. So he ends up leaving and has a relationship with this woman. So Shania goes and marries the husband of <laughs> the woman who was in the affair with Mutt Lang. Oh, spite marriage. Yeah, so they kind of crossed over, which is kind of weird, right? Kind of. And it was only like a year later that they got married. Mutt Lang was a huge part of Shania's success. And he was a huge part of why this album, the one we're talking about today, was so successful. Yeah, he did four albums with... Def Leppard. He kind of started mm -hmm. off with them and he was instrumental in creating their sound for Pyromania and making them a household name. Just as a side question, have you listened to pre-Pyromania Def Leppard? Is there a, an audible difference? Do you really see a sea change with them as a band from the pre and post Pyromania era? Their earlier stuff is far more raw. It's just kind of straight rock and roll. You don't notice that mega production that is so evident in pyromania and then just crazy in hysteria okay where it, it's just produced to death in a good way but they they do have some cool early stuff they've got a song called bring it on the heartbreak that i love I, I believe it's from the album high and dry and it's a fantastic song i think it was sort of their first big song it wasn't huge kind of put them on the map a little bit but it wasn't until right. pyromania it was the song Photograph on Pyromania that really kind of launched yes. them. And that was a huge, huge video. In fact, it was the most requested video on MTV. It was also one of the first videos played. Oh, really? And at the time, the number one video was Beat It by Michael Jackson. It actually took the top spot from that. Wow. That's big, right? That's really big, yeah. Yeah, not a small band. They've had tremendous success. Hysteria sold... Over 25 million copies. Oh, that's a lot of sales. That is massive sales. Yeah. Pyromania, Hysteria, huge, huge, huge albums. And then the next album, which I believe is Adrenalize, it had the song Let's Get Rocked. Do you remember that song? <laughs> Still don't like that song. You love that song. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I love that song. Yeah. It's so much fun. But that was it. Have you heard of them since then? Can't say I have. They're still a band. They're still yeah. making music. They had a guitarist. His name was Steve Clark. He was kind of the catalyst for a lot of the writing, a lot of the music. Apparently a pretty good guitarist. And he actually died in 91 of a prescription drug overdose. Oh, my God. And they kind of figure that that's where the band sort of... Lost its way, more yeah, or less. Yeah, they kind of lost their way. I actually went to see Def Leppard in concert in 2014. Man, they were amazing. Absolutely amazing live. Hmm. Where'd they play? Molson Amphitheater. 
Oh, nice. Okay. Very cliche. Very much. Hello, Toronto. <laughs> I was driving down Route 401. <laughs> but you, you get so caught up in it. He's so yeah. much fun. And he, he's such a charismatic guy, Joe Elliott, the lead singer. And they sound amazing. I mean, for a band that is so produced on the albums, for them to recreate that live can't be an easy thing to do. Oh, especially with the drummer. I, I can't remember. Rocket was produced pre or post accident? Post. Post. So Pyromania was released in 83. And New Year's Eve 1984, Rick Allen, the drummer, had a car accident, a very serious car accident. He was driving yeah. a Corvette and he was speeding up and down all over. <laughs> and he ended up crashing his car trying to overtake. I guess he was trying to race somebody in an Alfa Romeo. Wiped out his car, was ejected from the car, but unfortunately was wearing his seatbelt incorrectly. It happened to be wrapped around his arm. Oh, he left no. the car. His arm didn't. Fortunately. Oh, that's an awful mental picture. Yes. There was a nurse that came on scene and she actually had the presence of mind to go and prep the arm for when the oh, paramedic wow. showed up. Wow. And there was also a police officer that showed up on scene. But anyway, they, they sent him to the hospital. They sent Rick Allen to the hospital. They reattached the arm, but it became infected. And so it had to be amputated. Wow. Brutal. Yeah, brutal. I mean, he had that hope after reattachment. And then, Crazy. oh my God. I don't know if it would be better yeah. for them to simply not have been able to reattach it. In the like, just what an awful dilemma. Yeah, brutal. Good Lord. Can you imagine being the people involved with that and knowing, oh my God, this is Rick Allen from Def Leppard. He's their drummer. Yeah. You know, what do we do here? Yeah. It turns out one neat thing that happened, there was a police officer and a nurse on scene. They ended up meeting and actually getting married, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. And Rick Allen did a song for them for their wedding. Get out. Which is pretty cool. I've never heard that. Yeah. Best meet cute. In history, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> the crazy thing is the band didn't give up on him. Yeah. He'd kind of given up on himself. And he has said that it was fan mail that kept him going. I don't know how you would even sit down and design a way to play in that situation. He's got to completely revise everything that he knows, that maybe everybody knows about drumming. From the ground up, I've got one arm. He ended up working with believe the name of the drum company was Simmons and they developed a kit for him specifically. Wow. Where a lot of the percussion was done by his feet. Okay. One of the things that he was able to do, he actually gathered the band together. He ended up playing when the levee breaks by Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Wow. To kind of show his progress. Yeah. And it was at that point that they all kind of said, okay, we're good. Yeah. You can do this. But it took three years between pyromania and hysteria. And part of that was waiting for Rick Allen to learn how to play the drums again. Wow. I think a lot of bands may have just said, sorry, mate. Clearly you're done. Yeah. Clearly you can't continue from here. See ya. I remember listening and following that whole story and just being blown away by the fact that this guy could still play drums. Me too. And I didn't like the band. And then to listen to the album and it'd be so good. And this song, Rocket which is actually influenced by an African artist 
and song, Burundi Black. That's right. Which I had you listen to. Yeah. Which is very percussion dense. Yeah. It's a very specific drum rhythm and it's great, but it's very recognizable. It's very specific. You can definitely hear the influence when you listen to Rocket, if you've listened to Burundi Black. And I, I recommend that you go to YouTube and listen to it because it's fantastic. And the song name is Burundi Black. The artist's name is Burundi Black. It's well worth listening to. It's amazing. It absolutely is. It, now, it's a, it is a long track. It's seven or nine minutes long. It's mostly about the rhythm. So it's this looping rhythm, and it, but it's just, it's very, very hypnotic. It's great. Yeah, even a couple of minutes in, you can, you can hear the influence you know that Rocket came from that song. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And then when you go from listening to that to the intro and the outro of Rocket itself, it's very evident. It's right there. But as we discussed off the air earlier, we don't believe it's a sample. It's not a sample. Yeah. It's actually Rick Allen playing. Now, they did set it up in such a way that he has a drum machine assisting him because it was just physically impossible for him to, yeah. to mimic those sounds. It's complex. But it sounds great. It sure does. They do play it in concert. Clearly, they're able to set it up in such a way that he can play it, and it sounds amazing. I wonder what happens to him in terms of his shelf life as a drummer. We have talked many times about drummers like Neil Peart, who have these very complex, very physically exhausting drum parts that they need to play, that they need to perform, and they need to perform it to a, a fairly high level. Well, on the one hand, I'm thinking he's doing more with less. So he is, I mean, as crass as this sounds the way I'm saying it, he has fewer limbs with which to do what he's trying to do. But at the same time, if you're taking the load off your arms and putting it to your legs, I mean, your legs are more powerful and, you know, they're... Yeah, I see where you're going. I mean, it, it makes sense. Theoretically able to use them longer, further into your career. I, I wonder what that'll do to his career longevity. He's still playing. Yeah, yeah, still going. I can attest that seeing them live now, that was a few years ago, but you would have never known that these were older guys. Yeah. And they played for a long time. It was a great show. Heart opened up for them. Oh my God. What a phenomenal show. Heart was brilliant. I'm a big Def Leppard fan. My wife's a big Def Leppard fan and they killed it. Yeah. I think longevity wise, he's doing just fine. I think... Maybe because his legs do so much of the work that that's a benefit. I don't know. Do you have the physical CDs or records or cassettes for any of these albums? I did. Not anymore. Do you have any idea how the songs are credited? Are songs written by the band or are songs written by like Joe Elliott? Any idea? Does the band share songwriting credits and publishing credits? Good question. I don't know. I do know that Mutt Lang helped co-write most of the songs. Oh, really? Okay. Took an active hand in the writing. Yeah. But I don't know for sure if it's one guy or all of them. Yeah. Being a foundational member and a current, you know, continuing through to be a current member of Def Leppard would be lucrative. But I mean, there are different plateaus. There's longtime member of the band, but then there's longtime member of the band with publishing rights. Yeah. No kidding. So, I mean, there could be a real That's difference. Huge. Yeah. I know the guy that passed, Steve Clark, I know he had a, a very large part in writing the songs. Yeah. He was one of the lyricists for sure. I think a lot of them had parts in the songs. Yeah. There are a lot of bands that just, they say, we're a unit 
and whoever writes it, we all wrote it. That's all that matters. We all wrote it. I think it was Pearl Jam. I think it was Eddie Vedder that Eddie does the lion's share of the lyrics writing. And pretty sure it was they who said it would be unseemly for one of us to show up at the venue in a Ferrari and the other guys to show up in Hyundais or riding bikes. Nice. It's not right for you to be considering yourselves a band that you're all in it together and you're all in it for the long haul. And to say, well, you're less of a band than the rest of us. It was a nice approach. Yeah, I think I like that. It impresses the hell out of me that some of these bands are able to stay together as long as they do. Absolutely. Without beating the crap out of each other. People can joke about creative differences all they want, but when you start doing something creative and people don't see eye to eye and that, yeah, tempers flare. It, it's real. Yeah, oh, 100%. I guess Joe Elliott was asked at one point about hit songs. Okay. Can you imagine this band touring? So Def Leppard is, they tour a lot. And what do you think people want to hear? Pour some sugar on me. Imagine playing that song over and over and over. For 30 years or 40 years, yeah. Well, Joe Elliott is actually quoted as saying, well, if you can't handle the responsibility of a hit record, don't write one. Fair. He loves playing it for the fans. Fair. I love that. Yep. I think that's amazing. Yep. Imagine showing up and seeing Def Leppard and they don't play Pour Some Sugar on Me. Yep. Would you come away going, I love these guys or a bunch of pretentious a-holes? Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you hear horror stories. Not horror stories because, you know, cry me a river with your <laughs> money to wipe your eyes. But when you hear people talk about Radiohead, for example, Radiohead obviously don't have any that I'm aware of, they don't have any real hatred towards their back catalog or to their fans or anything like that. However, Tom York has been fairly vocal that he just, he doesn't like the song Creep, which he wrote, that he's not proud of it, particularly that while he recognizes that it's a hit, a lot of people was their first exposure to Radiohead. But at the same time, I, it sounds like it's one of those songs that he looks back on and cringes a little bit about because it's just whatever. It's not representative of who he is or whatever it is. He's not a fan, particularly, of that one song. Their biggest song. One of their biggest songs, yeah. their first big breakthrough hit. So I guess I can sympathize with that. It doesn't sound like they have any problems playing for the fans and doing all that stuff, but I can certainly see that. Oh, I cringe every time I sing this one lyric that I wrote that I wish I could change, but can't. Yeah. And you know that everybody's sitting in that place, at least 50% of them. They're just waiting to sing along to that lyric that, yeah. you, that makes you cringe. It's got to be an interesting situation to be in. I'd love to find out. Rocket was, did it make it to the number one spot? It did not. Do you know it that didn't. Def Leppard only has one number one song? Get out. That's Love Bites. Love Bites is their, their single number one? Number one. Their sole number one? Rocket made it to number 12. Oh, okay. Yeah, Pour Some Sugar on Me, number two. Armageddon It, number three. Hysteria, number 10. Animal, number 19. And their initial release was a song called Women, and it only hit number 80. Oh, wow. The album came out of the gate pretty slow. People really didn't take to that song, but the subsequent releases started going crazy. They were on the charts for 96 weeks. Good Lord. 
The album was released in 87. Rocket was released as a single in 89. <laughs> oh my God. That's a long time. They were touring, presumably. How, how many singles were on that album? Six in the UK, seven in the US. Get out. The goal was they wanted to match Michael Jackson's Thriller. Thriller? Okay, yeah. And Mutt Lang said, why not you guys? Which is kind of crazy. Go big or go home? I guess. They obviously did it. That's massive. For only one of those singles to be slightly disappointing, you know, to only make it to number 80, that's that's something. Yeah. Not bad. I, I wonder what, what kind of money they walked away with. I don't know, you know, what the percentages would have been album sales of what the guys would have gotten. But man, oh, man, I, I think they did it's a- enough that every subsequent album was done purely for the love and joy yeah. of doing so. <laughs> Every tour was more or less done for the joy of doing so because you don't need to work again. I guess not. You know, we talked about that with the whole Guns N' Roses thing. It's got to be tough when you have that kind of money to get up and go to work still. But I guess if you're a band and and you like playing music, then what the hell? Yeah. Now you just get to do it a lot more comfortably. Yeah, for sure. I read something that when Def Leppard made Pyromania, they were still making something like 40 pound a week. Wow. As artists, that's what they were paying wow. them. Yeah. Amazing to think about. Well, the inflation, it went a lot further then. <laughs> yeah, right. This whole album for me takes me back. I had a summer job at a company called TJ Pounder. Oh, yeah. I remember that. I used to put liquid asphalt into steel drums. That was my right. job. It was a beauty yep. job. I was 13 years old. It's not entirely illegal. Yeah. And one of my main jobs actually was there was this asphalt plant. It was in a different location and it actually burned down. Oh. When it burned down, all the asphalt ended up on the ground. So they took a big front end loader and they took all the asphalt that it spilled and they put it into drums, dirt and all. And there were thousands and thousands of drums with this asphalt and dirt in it. And it was my job to use a giant can opener to take the tops off of these drums. And then I would take them over to uh, something they called the sloth tank. And I would turn these drums over and the steam rising would loosen the asphalt. It would filter the asphalt from the dirt and then they could recycle it and reuse it. Insanely dangerous. That sounds like a fun summer job for a 13-year-old. So this whole giant can opener thing, I did it all day. So one of the things that got me through that job was Def Leppard's Hysteria. Did you have a Walkman? I had a Walkman and I would just listen to it over and over and over again because I loved it. It made the time go faster. I was working 10 hour days too. Good God. How did you even get this job? (laughs) Well, my brother worked there. I scooped ice cream. (laughs) Needless to say, by the end of the summer, my right arm was twice the size of my left (laughs) Uh, no, that joke is Yeah, no, stop that. Don't go near there. (laughs) I'm really attached to this album. Yeah, no doubt. It really got me through a a difficult summer job. I only did it for one summer. One of my favorite things was, you know, in a lot of factory settings and stuff like that, when it's lunchtime, you hear like a buzzer or a bell or, you know, something to signify. The horn. Yeah. Yeah, it's lunchtime. Well, my lunch warning was one of my coworkers would take a rock the size of a fist and he'd throw it at me. Jesus. To let me know that it was lunchtime. (laughs) 
you know, he wasn't trying to hit me, but they would, it would obviously clang off of the thousands of steel drums that were around me. And I, I know it was lunchtime. Wow. Clang lunchtime. Wow. Yeah. Good times. And welcome to 13. Wow. I made $6 an hour. Oh my God. I worked 50 hours a week. I took home 300 bucks. Not bad, right? Wow. It was child labor. <laughs> it was probably highly illegal. But yeah, it was some job. You did okay considering what the minimum wage was at that time. I did okay. Minimum wage was, I think, three seventy-five. Wow. No kidding. Yeah. The crazy thing was by midsummer, yeah. I'd kind of figured out other parts of the job. And sometimes the guy that I worked with wouldn't be there. And so giant tanker trucks would show up and I would have to fill them with liquid asphalt. 13 years old. Good Lord. (laughs) Grabbing this big, huge thing and putting it in the tanker and hitting start. This is someone's grandfather's story. You're like a grandfather. (laughs) You're like a jaded, grizzled grandfather. Oh yeah. Walking to school in the snow uphill both ways. Yeah. Uh, It was interesting. There's no doubt. The guy I worked with was a lot of fun. He was actually a hockey player and tough guy. He played for, I believe he played for an OHL team and he was a, he wow. was a goon. He was a fighter. Oh, <laughs> super. He got drafted by the Philadelphia Flyers. Get out. Never played a game. Oh. But it was pretty awesome. Pretty neat to know somebody that kind of went that far. He was a guy that in a hockey game one time, he actually went into the crowd and fought some guy in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> That's old school hockey, man. That is, wow. Yeah, crazy stuff. Anyway, on that note, we should probably look at wrapping things up, beating up people in the crowd. <laughs> they don't do that in podcasts. What an episode. We, do, we don't have to fight any listeners. Strip clubs and strange marriages and... Gory car accidents. This one is not rated PG. Amazing. This is PG-13, maybe. Love it. Let's wrap her up. Right. Well, thanks for joining us. If you like what you hear, please consider following us. Until next time, keep listening to the music that means something. And always try to listen with an open mind. And communication. <laughs>